0: good to have a little bit of garbage at the front.
1: Yeah, just front let it with a little bullshit. Yeah. Shall we get this show on the road?
0: Yeah, hello and welcome to On Writing and Fan Fiction. I'm Zoe. I'm Jake. And today's episode will be...
1: It's the little thing. (laughs) Today we're going to be talking about uh, uh, formatting
0: not formatting that's a different episode we're talking about dialogue
1: formatting and shit
0: okay this has gotten off to a rough start already
1: i mean our whole podcast has
0: okay no but this episode is on the little things about writing that are like like the foundation of like building your skills as a writer you know yeah
1: they're they're the little things that collectively they're the little things that will make or break your writing
0: yeah yeah and, like, mastering these things will just elevate everything. So it will only serve to elevate everything else. Exactly. Yeah. But before we really get started on that, we have a couple things. We got some housekeeping to do. Corrections <laughs> from the last episode, um, because Jake was wrong and said a wrong fact, and we were summarily shamed for it on Which I've been known to I know. was. But, yeah, so uh, you may recall in the last episode, Jake erroneously claimed that Andy Weir, the author of the novel The Martian, originally published it on Wattpad. That is not true. Andy Weir doesn't have a Wattpad that we know of, Jake.
1: See, here's the thing. I actually never bothered to corroborate if what that anonymous sender said was correct either. Uh, Oh, I looked it
0: up. I looked it up on Wikipedia. Well, shit.
1: It appears I am, in fact, wrong.
0: No, I checked once I realized that apparently fact-checking for this podcast in which we just fact the checking like, will needs a ruin. fact check
1: fact checking will ruin this podcast <laughs> uh. it will destroy the flow if we stop to corroborate every everything that we say or everything that i say is accurate or you know on point then uh, the the flow is just gonna be it's just gonna sound like choppy garbage so no, I, think... I know, but
0: like some some podcasts do like a fact fact check at the end.
1: So, well, they, they, well, those they check all the facts. Are, well, those podcasters well, are cowards that are afraid of being wrong. I am not
0: fair enough, or or they're just you know responsibly preventing the spread of false information. Being wrong
1: is what gives you me know? my power.
0: Well, we're just lucky enough that like no one cares about this podcast enough <laughs> to um, sue <laughs> us for definite to sue us for defamation of Andy Weir. That's fine. I never defamed Andy Weir.
1: I never said. <laughs> and I just. I just erroneously claimed that he put it on Wattpad.
0: Okay. Well, the reason he said that, I guess, the reason you said that, I guess, is because he did publish it originally. He did originally self-publish it. It was
1: self-published. Independent website. That's what I was going. Yes.
0: The point being, it was self-published. The point. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. And the other thing we'd like we have to start, uh, we have to mention is that we have a fan mail account, so I don't get anonymous messages on Tumblr about this pod anymore. You can you can
1: and should bully Zoe on Tumblr, but questions about pod questions about the podcast can it can go to the
0: Yes, and so our email is owffpod at gmail.com.
1: Send it so to the Alf pod.
0: And maybe if we get enough fan mail, maybe we'll do readings. We'll
1: That'd read be fun. We could have like pod. a question
0: episode. Or, yeah, we could have a question episode, but only if we get enough. You know, it's yeah. no fun if only like one person sends us a question and it's our social media expert. Speaking of which, we have a social media expert now. Um, her it name is, is our Kira, lovely friend Akira. And she's amazing. Um, and she also made us an Instagram account, which is at OWFF underscore podcast. And yeah. So you should follow us on Instagram to get news of new episodes, previews. And if we have any images, we might, we sometimes might re- reference like images or pictures. We'll put those on Instagram too.
1: Yeah. So she's the uh, one so that's yeah. responsible for like our, pretty much our entire social media presence. Zoe and I She's also made our
0: thing. art. Yeah. We, we are not, we are. Like really bad at social media, and we are not artists. She's an artist and is our PR expert. And basically. She she is so. willing.
1: She was willing to offer her talents and expertise,
0: which were definitely necessary. Which
1: were necessary yeah. and, are, and are and are much appreciated. So, Kira, if you're listening, yeah, appreciate you.
0: Thank you, Kira. Yeah. All right. <laughs> Today, we'll be talking, referencing something I came up with at some point during some discussion. Um, that will be. On the Instagram that I call, what did I call it? The writing it's, pyramid. It's,
1: it's your hierarchy of needs, like that other dude's hierarchy. Oh, of needs. yes,
0: that's that what is. I was basing. Okay, so anyone know like some like
1: Maslow's yes, hierarchy Maslow, of needs? Yes, Maslow. Like
0: that's some, it. yeah, yeah. Just a little bit, like to me, like a little bit pop psychology ish. Mm. Um, but basically, um, Maslow, the psychologist, developed this hierarchy of needs, where like starting at the bottom of the pyramid are like the most basic needs, like physiological, like food and a place to sleep and then uh, the next level up is safety and then the third level up is belonging and then the fourth is esteem and the top of the pyramid is self-actualization and the reason it's structured in this pyramid type of way is because the idea is that you can't have the second thing up without without the bottom thing so like you can't worry about like, your safety until you have satisfied, like, basic physiological needs. Like yeah, you
1: need to, you need to like, acquire hundred, these like, needs in, like, a linear order.
0: And this becomes more important towards the top. Like, you can't foster a feeling of belonging and, and self-esteem and esteem of others if your more basic needs are not met first. Mm-hmm. So I kind of adapted, um, just kind of as a result of a conversation I was having with... I think Jake and some other people I kind of adapted this pyramid of needs, psychological needs into a hierarchy of things to master Authorial when you're writing. Needs. Authorial needs. Yeah. And so that's on the Instagram and you can check it out. So we're going to talk about today the bottom two mainly, which are spelling and punctuation and dialogue formatting. I think that I mean, I think it's it could be argued that like I'm putting putting dialogue formatting in its own kind of category is like maybe giving it too much weight but i don't think so i have very strong feelings about proper dialogue <laughs> formatting so feel free to i guess yell at me about that in the email account not anonymous on tumblr yeah. so Jake, what do you think do, do you think that maybe dialogue formatting gets too much weight in this pyramid uh
1: i'm not sure because here's the thing right like we talked about earlier about like these are the, the sort of you know simple granular things that will make or break your writing and it's like if i saw if i was looking at a piece of writing like if i was looking at a published book and like there weren't any dialogue tags and dialogue or new paragraphs weren't indented i would stop reading it immediately but that i would i'd be like mm-hmm. fuck that so i i think dialogue formatting is pretty important it's probably sitting in like the spot that it needs
0: well okay so we we on the potter agreed on this but but maybe you have a different opinion But um, I guess we'll go in order and start with the importance of spelling and punctuation. Mm -hmm. So I guess the first thing I want to say is that, like, if you're, you know, you're fic writing and you're like thinking, you know, the stakes are even if the stakes are really low um, and you're just writing like fan fiction and just posting it on wherever, I would say I'm going to come out and say that checking that you're spelling things correctly um, not just, like, every word, but, like, names of characters and, like, names of locations in, in whatever universe you're writing in. Right. Is always worth it. Yes. <laughs> always worth it. Absolutely. Um, Because the people reading your fic probably know the fandom as well or better than you do. Yeah. And will catch it and, and will notice and will be distracted the entire time and not be able yeah. to focus on... The content of your story, and that's not not that that's like, and it's not because they have any bad intent. It's just because like you know when you notice the door is like a little bit ajar, but like just mm-hmm. like, you feel like the fuck, to I really I
1: really want to go close that. And yeah, so yeah. and I think the the important thing to mention here too is like this isn't you know this isn't gonna be Zoe and me proselytizing, being like oh you need to you know how to spell. Everyone everyone knows that you need to do that, right? More so, what this means is like this illustrates like the importance of editing and it will mm-hmm. and, you know this is how we can talk about how to edit how to self-edit really well mm-hmm. um, so i think that's mm-hmm. that's that's the discussion that's probably going to spiral out from from what we're talking about
0: yeah yeah i think we have an episode on ed we don't have an episode on on how to edit
1: oh that's a fucking um, but well, we, uh, well we we now we do we,
0: we might not need it because we'll talk about editing in many different ways like yes. throughout some of these future episodes we'll, mm-hmm. we'll so we'll come back to that maybe, but before we go any further, I just want to like quickly make the difference between editing and copy editing. Yes. Because what we're going to be talking about, I think, in this episode, is mostly going to be copy editing, which Probably. is editing, which is editing for things like typos and formatting, and not like structural things.
1: Yeah. So um, if I if I can actually step in here for like two seconds, there are three types of major editing. You have your substantive. Your okay. substantive.
0: You would know editing. this better than me, I guess. Right. So uh-huh.
1: th- th- so you have your substantive editing, which is what you uh-huh. said. It's structural editing. It's, you're looking at themes. Uh-huh. You're looking at motifs. You're looking at, like, does this, you know, is this in character? Does, is this, like, the arc that this character should follow? Should this character even uh-huh. exist? Is this the direction uh-huh. the entire story needs to be going towards? It's mm-hmm. really huge mm-hmm. macro stuff. And wrapped in that, often what the substantive editor will do is also uh, stylistic editing. Um, and that's editing at the scale of the sentence so you're looking at uh sentence flow word choice if if there's any points in the paragraph in the story where the reader sort of might get tripped up uh, because you know the flow is kind of choppy or it's there's like a run-on sentence or stuff like that Um, stylistic editing is it's exactly that it's talking about style it's how the sentences sound and then you have Mm -hmm. copy editing copy editing is is the really micro stuff it's really tight lens that's at the scale of the word. Substantive editing is the scale mm-hmm. of the story. Stylistic editing is the scale mm-hmm. of the sentence. Copy is the scale of the word, where you're looking for like typos and formatting and shit like that. Mm. And then okay. after that, you, have pr- you just have proofreading. So it goes substantive editing, style uh-huh. editing, copy editing, proofreading. And then good to go.
0: Okay. Interesting. I did not know that they all had... Th- there were words for all of those things.
1: I'm going into thousands of dollars of debt to know that information.
0: Well, at least someone is.
1: I'm 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 so, taking on a uh, financial uh, onus to know this this information.
0: Yeah. All right. So back to spelling. It's really important, and spell checking is always worth it. And spelling is also a really really easy thing to miss, especially like you know just simple letter switches inside a word that don't make it not a word necessarily.
1: Mm-hmm. Like uh um, like the word quite in quiet for example. Oh,
0: people fuck that up all the time. I fuck that up, <laughs> I fuck all, fuck the it time. up all the time. <laughs> Yeah. So, so that's why that's yeah. why
1: if you type in so that's why you can't trust in your word processor to catch yeah, all these errors sure. for you like i write i write primarily in word which mm-hmm. i know people hate but it's it's what i use so i'm used to it i um, hate it i i so. fucking i'm used to it so i'm like i love word. but yeah the, that's the exact thing where it's like you know you could you could misspell a word but you could spell another entirely different word correctly and then your word processor won't flag it because it's, it's not spelled wrong
0: yeah, the also the other problem with word processors is that they'll often flag like character um, names that are actually spelled correctly, but they yeah. are just recognized as a word. And so then like you get used to seeing red underlines, and then like you miss red underlines for things that are actually misspelled. One I one add way character I like names to
1: my to my processor's dictionary all the time, so it doesn't flag them.
0: Oh. but like mine does not work. Okay, maybe this is a problem with my word processor. Mm. And also like you have to do it like for every document, right?
1: No, I don't think. No, no, I don't think so. The the oh. for, for Word at least like the, the if you click Add to Dictionary, it's universal. So like
0: oh well, I still won't switch to using Word. So I have a rant about Microsoft Word that is for a different episode. <laughs> what I like to do is um after finishing something before going back to edit it, um I usually sleep on it. Like I give it at least twelve hours of me not looking at it. Mm-hmm. Um I think Stephen King recommended three or six months. But the point is you want, you want the words to not be fresh in your mind because mm-hmm. then you will read them more slowly and more carefully.
1: Yeah, you're, um, not, you're, not as, you're not as close to it.
0: Yeah, or having someone else read it for yeah. you. Yeah, so
1: and, so this is actually going to sound kind of nuts, but there's a lot of different ways in which a uh, writer can self-edit. And it all has to do with changing the way that you look at the word. So what I do because it, it, this is sort of the easiest one. When I want to self-edit is I will change the font and I will change the line spacing of what I've written
0: so that mm. it
1: forces, it, it makes it look different on the page. So it forces you to sort of take it a little, to read it a little slower and, you know, look at it word by word because it looks so different. What I've heard some authors will do is they will print out their story, print out a chapter or something, or even maybe mm-hmm. the entire thing if they feel so inclined. They'll print it out, and they'll mm-hmm. they'll hang all of the pages on their wall, or lay them out on their floor, <laughs> right? And and this more uh-huh. ha- more so has to do with, with uh, substantive editing, I think. But, uh-huh. you know, say you have, like, all these huge overarching plot beats printed out on paper on your floor, they'll start moving them around to be like, you know, you have them laid out in a line, and they'll start playing this shell game with the paper where they're moving them into, they're they're switching them into... Different spots to see, like okay, maybe this is like this is a better flow because you're looking at the oh. story in a, in, a, in a physical linear fashion. So if they move stuff that's around, that's a, that's a way that helps some writers sort of uh, internalize what what they're thinking about. So that might not work for you, yeah. but give it a shot. All yeah, this to say, I mean... there's a lot of different ways to force yourself to look at your story differently.
0: Yeah, I mean, my, my creative writing um, advisor in college, she would print out her, her stories to copy edit, um, but b- it's because she had to, like, physically mark them up yeah. to, like, make the changes. Right. I don't have a printer, so I mm-hmm. never print out anything.
1: Yeah, for sure. And that's um, another thing that will also work for copy editing if you want to do it uh, free form, like, you, or, you know, longhand, for example, like, you want to actually physically, like, take a pen to a piece of paper and write it. I have a book here. Mm-hmm. If anyone is interested, pick up Copy Editing: A Practical Guide by Karen Judd. And it's it's exactly what it sounds like. It has a bunch of tips and tricks for copy editing and it's like sort of the importance of it. And what I use the most is there's there's a list in here of copy editing symbols. So cuz like there cuz there is actually like a there's like a, a standard yeah, practice yeah. to this. So, yeah, I think I,
0: I know some of those. Yeah, like, underline three times means capitalize. Yeah, so the there's so
1: let me pull it up. There's like kind of like a swish, where you do where you draw a line through a word or through a sentence, and at the end you do like a little loop, and that that's mm-hmm. just a deletion symbol where it's like delete, take that out. Yep, triple underline is to capitalize something. So there's there's like copy editing. There's there's industry standard copy editing symbols and shit like that. So if you're interested, again, that's Copy Editing: A Practical Guide by Karen Judd. Mm-hmm. And you'll read it yeah. and instantly that's, that's be an amazing it. copy editor.
0: Yeah. I I like to outsource my copy editing personally. Yes. Um, just because I find it way more reliable than my own copy editing. Although sometimes I'm lazy slash don't want to bother anyone. So.
1: <clears throat> yeah.
0: Also, that's... it's hard to find people you trust to copy edit. It can be yeah. hard to find people you trust to copy mm-hmm. edit.
1: Yeah. Oh, and this is another important thing to mention. If you hand something off to someone to edit, and this, is, this goes both ways. Say you are having something edited. You need to be open and receptive and prepared to hear something that you might not actually like. Yeah. Editing is a very delicate, difficult practice. Yeah. And if, if you are the one doing the editing, I would recommend looking up the work of Maxwell Perkins. Maxwell Perkins is like the editor of the 20th century. He edited Hemingway. He edited Fitzgerald. He edited a bunch of short story authors. I can't believe their name is escaping me. But he, he edited like some of the greatest works in the English language of the 20th century. Guy was amazing. Mm-hmm. And the reason he was such a fantastic editor is it, it really shines through if you look at his work. Whenever he communicates with an author, he suggests, he doesn't demand, he's very deferential. He had an editor's eye for writing. He was able to see like, uh-huh. to to look at things at in, in like a really descriptive way fascinating level, like macro level like he was, mm-hmm. he was a fan, he was a mm-hmm. fantastic substantive editor, and that's what you need to be as an editor. You need to be deferential when you're communicating with an author. You need to say maybe consider this, or how about this, or something like that. Because, yeah, because yeah, a huge uh, part of being an author good, is, is being vulnerable. So you're you're sort of you're you're looking at someone like someone's heart and soul on the page sometimes. So you need to be deferential and sort of in, in considerate of that.
0: Yeah, a good a good editor won't try and fundamentally change the idea. You you're trying to get across
1: yeah oh who the fuck was that one editor gordon lee
0: you i can't believe you know editors names off the top of your head honestly like well, cause I, 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 I you left I, me behind like 10 minutes ago
1: <laughs> well i, I mean I, I i learned about them a lot school. What the fuck is the guy's name? God damn it. I can't remember. Fuck this. I'm not going to go off on this tangent because I can't remember any of the fucking subjects names. One that I do know is Ezra Pound. Ezra Pound when he was editing The Wasteland by T.S. Eliot, which was fucking great by the way. He was actually legitimately snarky like in his fucking markups. He's like he's like, "You don't think this is a good idea, do you?" and like shit like that. He would write that. He would write that on T.S. Eliot's manuscript and it's like fuck you ezra pound you fucking fascist (laughs) he was actually a fascist by the way i'm not joking so if you're an editor reason to dislike him if he wasn't like an editorial bitch he also had that going for him so it's like ezra pound can pound the fucking dirt so don't be ezra pound if you're editing don't be pound be perkins
0: okay got it so that's that's spelling
1: i'm sorry. I totally derailed that.
0: That was, wow, what a tangent. Um, That was spelling and a bunch
1: of other shit. We
0: haven't even gotten to punctuation yet. But I think that actually it was, this has been a good tangent because punctuation is something that like is not quite as objective as spelling. Even though some punctuation is objective, there's a lot of punctuation that's subjective and totally stylistic and like can be like very personal. And if you have a different style Especially like, if you have a very different writing style than the person who you're editing for. It can be tempting to like try and make them use the punctuation that you like under the guise of, well, it's correct, yeah. even though that's probably not true although sometimes it might be that is that's Um, an
1: excellent point yeah
0: yeah so i think it was a good tangent um and it leads us well into this discussion of punctuation i mean i'll start by disclosing my favorite punctuation is the em dash yo
1: i fucking love the em (laughs) dash we we are em (laughs) dash trash here on this
0: podcast yes oh yes okay i'm so happy i love em dashes i think aesthetically they look really good i think that like they evoke the right physical reaction that yeah. like abrupt pause that's just the right length like not too long and not too short and is not like as cumbersome as like an ellipsis yeah i was once uh editing someone's work and their favorite punctuation was clearly the ellipsis every other line every other sentence there was like they used an ellipsis and in, in the... oh
1: that's not and, good like,
0: ellipses are fine but in my opinion they can be way overused and they can like actually because they slow down the reading much more than an EM dash, I think yeah. they can they can really start to affect the pacing, like how fast the story mm-hmm. moves, if your reader is pausing for an ellipsis, you know, every there, sentence.
1: I think there is an elephant in the room that we need to address here. Because I don't, I don't actually know your feelings on this, so we need to... <laughs> if, you're, gonna, if
0: you're about to say what I think you're about to say, I, I'm you, so excited. Okay. What
1: do you think about the Oxford comma?
0: Oh, okay, you were not going where I thought you were going. Where did you think I was um, going? I thought you were going on a semicolon ramp, but Oh, I, that's... I, I don't have
1: actually terribly strong feelings about semicolons.
0: <laughs> oh, okay, interesting. Okay, well, I guess I, I like the Oxford comma. I use it always, and I think everyone should. I don't have like as strong opinions on it as I do have strong opinions about semicolons, but I do really like the Oxford comma, and I think right. everyone should use it. What do you think about the Oxford comma?
1: I don't give a fuck about the Oxford comma. <laughs>
0: Here's the thing about like without the Oxford comma, I feel like the second two things in the list are grouped in a way that maybe they aren't necessarily, you know, and that you should divide them all to give them equal weight. Right. If that's what you're trying to do.
1: That's the thing. I maybe feel should like... we
0: de- should we define should we define the oh, okay, Oxford oh, okay. Comma oh yeah we, we absolutely
1: we probably infuriated someone who's doesn't know what we're talking about. So the Oxford comma, also known as okay. the series or serial comma, is a comma that separates the last two items in a list. So say we're talking about. Zoe, Jake, Kira, and the On Writing and Fan podcast. The Oxford comma, if you were to use it, would go between Kira and the and. On Writing. Yeah, it would go between Kira and and. So if you don't use it, there's not as much of a, like a visual pause because it's not there. Mm-hmm. So all the Oxford comma does is it separates the last two items in a list.
0: The argument is that you might not need it because and provides that separation. I think that the comma is still not like technically necessary but like personally i would always i always right. use it
1: it's a stylistic thing all all that really comes down it, to yeah. is like if you if you're going to use it or not use it just make sure you're being consistent like yeah. decide what you're going to yeah. do if you're going to use it use it for the entire story if you're not going to use it do that for the entire story just be consistent about it what were you talking about prior to that we we're talking about em dashes well, so i
0: thought with the well so we were talking about em dashes and then you wanted to like bring up like you wanted to get, like, controversial on Maine, and I thought you were going to bring up semicolons, <laughs> but you brought up the Oxford comma. <laughs> I guess I'm taking harder stances on all of these anyway, but, like, I'll ask you first, what do you think of semicolons?
1: I, I don't really know. I don't really have super... I mean, like, they... What a semicolon does is it, it, it separates, like, two independent clauses that are otherwise related or connected.
0: So just what you mean by independent clauses is that both of those sentence fragments could be its own sentence. Yes. That's the definition of an independent clause, just so we're clear on that.
1: Mm-hmm. I I actually sort of tend to think as semicolons and em dashes as, like, almost interchangeable.
0: Oh, me too. And yeah. I think that you should go with an em dash every single time.
1: Yeah, I mean, you no you you want to use you, you know whichever way like you want to use them in moderation. Don't use a ton of em dashes. Don't use a ton of semicolons. Well, yeah, yeah. Um, but otherwise, I don't I don't have terribly strong feelings on them.
0: I just think they're so ugly.
1: And this is another stylistic thing that might just be strictly me. There are certain punctuation marks that I will omit if I'm using them in dialogue. So, like, in dialogue, I won't use colons, and I'll try to stray from semicolons if I can. Just because I tend to think of those punctuation oh, yeah. marks as no. being
0: sort of, like, a bit more mechanical. Oh, yeah. I wouldn't use either of those in dialogue. Yeah. But I would use an EM dash in dialogue.
1: Yeah, for sure. Let me Hit me with your thoughts on semicolons.
0: Oh, okay. Well, basically I find them, one, I find them really ugly just aesthetically. Sure. And in every case where I've been like tempted to use one or I've seen them used, you can either do one of two things. Either you can just use a period and split the sentence. Right. Because if you're using a semicolon correctly, you should be able to do that anyway. And I feel like if you can do that, you should, or you should use an EM dash. And I think an EM dash is like, there's like a more definite like amount of time that you pause in your reading then like a semicolon is like this weird ambiguous i'm not sure how long to pause type of deal right. so i hate semicolons and i never use them um and i am like always tempted to like make when i'm editing i'm always tempted to like make people take them out and replace them with something else
1: i i i'm not so against but. them that i'm like you, you shouldn't use them in, in your writing i think i think they're 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 helpful devices and there's they're they're like generally right. like i said they're generally interchangeable with em dashes if I was going to break it, I would use semicolons in prose and narration and like em dashes in dialogue. But I mean, I'll still use em dashes.
0: Just use, use em dashes always. I just no, don't. because then if you then, then if you
1: if you completely replace them, then you have too many em dashes and you have like, then it like visually. Well, then, the, looks well, then weird. you
0: should be using. Well, then you should be using more periods.
1: I, you, if sure. you find that's the case. I think they have their. Points. That's my argument on that. Fair enough.
0: Okay. Alright, so we've got two opinions here. Email your opinion on semicolons. (laughs) Oh my fucking
1: god. (laughs) You know what emails we're gonna get? You
0: know what we're gonna get? What
1: the fuck about semicolons, you fucking nerds? You idiots.
0: Or or in reviews. Or in reviews. Leave us your opinions on semicolons.
1: In your reviews, Mm -hmm. which which you should leave because it helps us. Mm -hmm. You should fuck your reviews up with semicolons
0: just like make my skin crawl every time so that when
1: zoe reads them because she will she'll just well okay this is my this is my mission against you
0: i know i told people to make fun of your canadian accent i guess i deserve it the punctuation discussion leads really smoothly into the dialogue formatting discussion Mm -hmm. um which i'll also start by saying it seems like a silly thing, but is really important to focus on because getting it wrong is, re- is really annoying to readers. Um, yes. And dialogue formatting is also way more important than you think to the understanding of your story. And if you format dialogue correctly, you have to write a lot less, which is always helpful because the less explaining you have to do, the more immersive the story yeah. is. And there's a lot of, like, it's hard to teach dialogue formatting, so I won't really try to do that, but I think that the best thing to teach yourself dialogue formatting, and you can look up tutorials, but the best thing to teach yourself dialogue formatting is just, like, open a book. Yeah. Like, any book. A yeah. physical book, preferably, because sometimes ebooks books formatting is, gets a little weird. But yeah, just, like, open a physical book published in the last ten years.
1: You know, it just goes to show, it's like, to, to write, you gotta, you gotta read. You gotta read a lot.
0: Yeah, but, like, read and, like, read with the, like, for, like the patterns you see in the way the dialogue is formatted. Mm-hmm. Um, and that'll that'll give you a sense of how, how to correctly format dialogue. Um, the worst thing could that ha- can happen when you don't format your dialogue correctly or you're really careless about your dialogue formatting. Is that your reader will be reading a conversation, and then they won't know who is talking, or they'll lose track of who is talking, and that is bad. There is nothing more
1: frustrating (laughs) when you're reading than not knowing who the fuck is talking. I once, for school, I had to read something from a peer that I'm not even joking, like half a page to a full page of dialogue with zero dialogue tags. Like, there was an entire conversation happening where, like, I didn't know who the fuck was talking. and Yeah, and this
0: sort of thing, like, really affects the understanding of the plot and the story. Like,
1: oh, it, it it goofs it.
0: The reader must know who's talking at all times.
1: It's, it is paramount. Like, it is very they're, important.
0: There are very few times in which it's okay for the reader not to know who's talking.
1: So, uh, for anyone not familiar, dialogue tag is the term for, like, say, you know, say you're saying, like, you know, we're talking about dialogue tags. "Said Jake" or "Jake said." That's a dialogue tag. The "Jake mm-hmm. said" is a dialogue tag. It's it's the way of saying like this is the person, this is the character that's mm-hmm. that's saying this line.
0: Mm-hmm. And um, we and we um and we mentioned in the last episode that we love the word "said" for dialogue said tags because um you know people will be tempted, they'll be tempted to like you'll see, you'll be reading your writing and you'll see said every other line, and um you know sometimes you could be tempted to put in like fancier words like explained or like you know shouted. And those are fine, like in in moderation, but, but generally the yeah. dialogue should speak for itself, and the dialogue tags should be kind of as plain and understated as possible.
1: I picked this up from reading Bernard Cornwell. I mm-hmm. devoured his Last Kingdom series, which is fucking fantastic. If anyone is into like historical fiction, super super good. Also a very formative writer for me in how I write fight scenes. But anyway, uh, what he will do for tagging dialogue is he'll just use an action line. He'll say, like, instead of saying, like, Today on this episode of the podcast, Jake said, or Jake began, uh, it'll be like, you know, Today on this episode of the podcast jake plugged in his mic or some bullshit like that right they'll use a, an action line yeah. to show what the character is doing and also define that like this is the character that's saying this line of dialogue
0: oh yeah i didn't know that's what i didn't know there's a technical term for that but i do that all the time i even love doing it. even though i almost never write fight scenes um just because like there's so much nonverbal communication in a conversation too just yeah. in every conversation and like using actions instead of dialogue tags to like communicate that nonverbal component mm-hmm. can just really elevate the scene because then like your reader is not only like not distracted by like semi-useless words like said character name mm-hmm. um but also like gets a sense of like what's happening as the conversation is happening because yeah, conversations exactly. never happen in a vacuum there's always something going on you know and actions can be extremely revealing in terms of what the character is thinking and what they're not saying you know what the character what a character doesn't say is like as important or more important than what they do say and you know like just sit and think or like just watch people talk in your real life um you can pick up on like little actions that kind of reveal a character's could reveal a character's you know mental state or like you know, what they're thinking mm-hmm. uh, that you can add to your dialogue and just really add to your scene and like elevate it.
1: Yeah. All you, all you need to do to like show that, a char- to show that a character is nervous instead of saying that they're nervous mm-hmm. is like, have them say mm-hmm. something and then tag the dialogue with, you know, this character fidgeted or like, you know, like uh, twiddled their thumbs mm-hmm. or, was, or, mm-hmm. or wrung their hands mm-hmm. or something like that. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. And this will keep you from writing sentences like, you know, X character was nervous because, you know, you never like, that's yeah. so explanatory. Um, and, and not, I keep saying immersive, but like, it's very important. It's so explanatory and not immersive. And it's very like, you know, telly and not yeah. showy. showy, which is the next episode.
1: We'll get into yeah. that in, ti- in we'll due time.
0: In, in due time. We'll get into that. That's why, that on that. Those action lines. Action um, lines are, re- are really important. Um, they're
1: super versatile oof. because they eliminate the repetition of using mm-hmm. said, which you shouldn't worry about generally, but uh, mm-hmm. it is something to keep in mind. Mm-hmm. So they eliminate that. It's a good way of getting around it. You don't have mm-hmm. to use a different vocabulary word for saying said every other line, which is also super, super distracting, even more distracting mm-hmm. than just saying said a bunch. Yeah, and it yeah. also reveals love... what characters are doing in, in, the, in the conversation. So it's super versatile. Yeah. I would encourage you to try it.
0: Yeah, dialogue tags can also like really kind of help you control the pacing of your story, like the micro pacing of your story, like how fast the scene is moving. Yes. Like how fast the scene is being read too. like if you go several lines without um, using any dialogue tags, which you can do to some extent, um, if, this, if the scene is only between two people, you can like really get the reader into that like sense of like, this is a rapid fire conversation where things are being shot back and forth and back and forth. Um, writing dialogue is one of my favorite things to do, I think, because love of it. this reason. Because, like, of how you can, like, control, like, how fast the scene is moving um, with just dialogue tags or lack thereof. Similarly, you can also slow down the pacing of a scene a lot using dialogue tags. Specifically, like, what did you say? Action lines is what they're called? or
1: y- Yeah, and th- that's just, like, a line in which an, a character does mm-hmm. an action. In which an action. Yeah. Happens.
0: Or, like, um, I love using, like... Um, action lines in the middle of dialogue, lines of dialogue to, like, create a beat, you know? Yes. Um. You know, there's, like, natural pauses when people talk, and I think these are really good to include in dialogue that you write because it makes everything seem kind of more realistic. Yeah, they're fantastic
1: um, for that. It's a super good
0: point. Yeah, and so, you know, breaking up, and, but instead of saying, like, he paused or she paused or they paused, um, using, putting, like, a line of action in the middle to break that up is is really good i think something and, and, I really that, like to and that all
1: has to do with uh and we'll get into this a little bit more in the next episode but mm-hmm. the reason that's so effective is because it's instead of saying like oh you know jake paused or zoe paused you're communicating that pause like implicitly and telepathically to the reader when you're doing mm-hmm. that so it's mm-hmm. super fantastic for that
0: yeah if you didn't that have any more layers to, say, to your story
1: yeah it absolutely does it's it's super great yeah uh-huh. And another thing that I actually and I actually want to tie this back into our earlier discussion on like, you know, punctuation, spelling and all that. Mm-hmm. You said that uh, these action lines and stuff like that are a great way to speed up or slow down pace. And earlier you also said that punctuation especially is sort of it's a bit more subjective than spelling is spelling. There's like there is mm-hmm. a way to, you know, barring like American and Canadian spellings, and your like minor, you know, regional differences and shit like that. Spelling is pretty mm-hmm. set stone. There's there's ways mm-hmm. to spell words. Whereas punctuation is mm-hmm. more objective. And this also, you know, ties back into our conversation on editing. On editing, mm-hmm. sorry. The reason I, I mention this is because grammar and punctuation should be thought of, in my opinion, as malleable. They shouldn't yes. be thought of I would as agree with that. yeah. They shouldn't be thought of as like these hard and fast rules that, you know, to you know, profane them is is this sacrilegious, you know, offense mm-hmm. that you should never you should never do grammar is is really heavily influenced by uh style by authorial style so like you said punctuation is you know while we normatively think of it as this this like syntactic rule that you know writers need to follow and and to a degree it is Mm -hmm. it's it's super subjective it's like for example when i write when i write fight scenes and i write a lot of fight scenes those are those are the stories that I, i i really like to write personally i will comma splice the shit I don't know my fight mm-hmm. scenes. My fight scenes mm-hmm. grammatically fucking nightmare, but <laughs> there's there's a there's a very purposeful reason for that. It's to drive the pace forward. You know, writing is a very utilitarian form of art. You know what I mean? It's like there there's a lot of things you can do with punctuation that will speed up or slow down pace, um, mm-hmm. that will set different tones. If there's anything to take away from this episode, I think it's grammar rules are they're not bullshit but you should know them so that you know how to break them because breaking them is fine language is descriptive not prescriptive
0: yeah and the other thing is that like getting these skills down so they are just second nature yes it will, will help you focus a lot on the things we'll talk about in the next episode you know the upper part of that pyramid and uh, that's why they're on the lower part of the pyramid and then when, you know, people read your story, like they'll be able to focus on those things at the top, near the top of that period and, mm-hmm. you know, all this other stuff, you know. Because they're not know, grammar, worried about spelling, like syntactical errors or like that. Yeah. Yeah. So like this thing, these things like grammar, you know, spelling and dialogue and punctuation, if you do them right, these are things that should just fly under the radar and not be noticed at all. Yeah. Um, if someone's noticing like your dialogue formatting or if someone's noticing your spelling and punctuation, that means you're that's probably a bad thing. You're you're probably doing something wrong and you don't want them focusing on any of that. You want them focusing on your story and content. Uh, The other thing I guess I wanted to talk about was where where dialogue formatting and punctuation meet. And there are a lot of rules about this, like how to use commas versus periods when you're transitioning from a a quotation into a dialogue tag Mm -hmm. and whether that dialogue tag is technically in the same sentence as the quotation is and these rules because i know them very well it bothers me when i see them broken so i would recommend you know taking the time to learn how to punctuate dialogue correctly just because i think it will be worth it right Um, like
1: do you mean like like always like if there's a if you're transitioning into a dialogue tag you always want to put a comma at the end of your quotation inside the quotation yeah yeah
0: so basically so if you have a sentence like dialogue is really important jake said like the that whole sentence like jake said is technically part of that sentence so at the end of the quotation dialogue is really important Mm -hmm. you should have a comma instead of a period and then if you use the dialogue tag said jake that s and "said" should be lowercase yes Um, this is cumbersome to explain over just audio and
1: and honestly Um, (laughs) most I imagine most of the people listening to this will have intuited how to do that yeah anyway but it's very
0: googleable yeah and I just wanted to point out that you should google it um, yeah for sure if you uh if you want to see like comprehensive list of all the rules in terms of punctuating dialogue because I think that's just another thing that really helps the essentially unimportant things parts of your story go unnoticed so that people can focus on the substance.
1: Yeah, that's a really good point. I totally agree. Uh, yeah. You so, Dialogue I, I spend... rules are important to know. Grammar rules are important yeah. to know. You know, like we said earlier, these rules aren't we don't say they're important to know because you need to follow them really, really strictly. They're important to know so that you have to know a rule, like to know how to break it effectively, mm-hmm. to know how to break it properly, to know how mm-hmm. to break it in a way that's that makes sense or is compelling or anything like that. Mm -hmm. Um, so if you are ever going to do something you know really like avant-garde with your punctuation whatever the fuck that even looks like uh uh, you want to know you want to know the rules inside and out you want to know the game yeah you know how to cheat
0: yeah like you don't you won't know how to make your point if you don't know what rule you're breaking because the rule you're breaking will determine like what the emphasis of of the writing will be and you want to be able to consciously use the breaking of these rules to emphasize the things about your story that are important I was. just. I, I wanted to ask you, Jake. Though, were you taught how to write, how to punctuate dialogue in school? Because I was.
1: Yeah. I. Yeah. I was. I was taught how to punctuate words. Like you know, you always got to. Perfect. This. Is, you know, like we said, like you always got to have the comma at the end if you're transitioning into a dialogue tag. Mm-hmm. Comma's got to mm-hmm. be inside the quotation and all that bullshit. Because um, I remember
0: being formally taught that in like the seventh grade.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Same here.
0: I mean, it's useful to me, but like, does anyone else use that who like doesn't create write creatively a lot? I
1: don't. I don't. Not to my knowledge.
0: Hmm. I wonder why we were taught that.
1: I mean, it's there's, like, different standards and shit, right? Like, they, like I know in Europe, like, they only use single quotation marks. They don't use double quotation marks. Oh, that bothers me
0: so much. <laughs> this is, like, I guess maybe. Because <laughs> single quotation marks mean something different to me. Really? I don't know. Maybe I'm just too American for this.
1: I don't know, maybe. I'm not sure. Like, what do they mean to you that's different?
0: Well, they mean, so, to me, like, single quotation marks, you use them when someone is speaking and they're quoting someone else
1: yeah so like what that means for you know like writing standards in europe is like when if you're quoting something inside a quotation then they'll use the double quotation marks they just oh, but it. see
0: it looks so wrong because the double quotation marks are bigger and thicker so they see, should be, they I, should I, be actually, I
1: actually i actually kind of like it because like if you're using single quotation marks then you have like apostrophes and shit that might like look confusing or might accidentally mark the end of a, of a quotation when you don't mean them to like if you're quoting something inside of the, inside of a quotation with single quotation marks and like you have an apostrophe mm. inside
0: but i think but i think context will pretty easily tell you what's an apostrophe
1: yeah no, it context will yeah but it's like another thing too is like if you're if you're writing and this sort of has to do with like parlance and shit but like say say you're writing a quotation from a character that omits the g's at the end of like getting is like uh, getting when they say uh, right and you have an apostrophe okay at the end fine of
0: I, okay i i see your point I you see know what your i mean point. i guess that that leads me to another pet peeve though that i forgot to that i forgot to mention is that i hate it when people misuse apostrophes how so? does that bother you when i well like when i when people like mix up like it's and it's oh
1: know? yeah that, that's a common it's one yeah the, oh.
0: Oh gosh, it's so annoying. It's like yeah. it's like it, an itch you can't scratch. I feel like that
1: that was <laughs> the that was the most it. common because it's like apostrophes generally denote a word as being made possessive, but with its it's uh-huh. like the, if you're if you put an apostrophe in its that either means it is or it has. It doesn't make like its mm-hmm. its without an apostrophe is that's the possessive. Word. Yeah. So it's yeah. like that that's probably uh-huh. the most common version of that
0: thing happening. Yeah, it, it bothers me yeah. personally.
1: What are you gonna do? All right.
0: Well, anyway, what you are going to do is I, you're going to listen well, to this
1: podcast and you're going to know how to, you're yeah. going to know the ins and outs.
0: You are. Of editing, copy editing. Correct. And uh, punctuation and dialogue and spelling. So um, with that, um, if you have any questions uh, for us or just want to yell at us about whatever, you should send us an email at owffpod at gmail.com or leave review. Please rate this podcast when you leave your review. Mm-hmm. And also check out our Instagram account, which is at owff_podcast, underscore podcast and get episode previews and supplementary materials.
1: Check out um, that great Instagram that our friend Kira made.
0: Yeah. Yeah. You can all, as you can also tell, we have no posting schedule. So nope. the Instagram is the way to know when a new episode is coming out.
1: We might firm out a posting schedule eventually, but as of right now, I'm really busy with school. Zoe's so got work. We all got we both got our own stuff going on, so it's like mm-hmm. we're just kind of we, we
0: are making this strictly in our free time. So for
1: shits and tickles, one might say.
0: Yeah. So this this pod comes out whenever the fuck we feel like it. Yeah, whatever the we feel like it. So <laughs> you should definitely follow us on Instagram to get news and subscribe. Follow us on Instagram. And subscribe wherever you get your podcasts, wherever you're listening to this. I'm not sure where it's out yet, but yeah, you should definitely follow and subscribe to get news and new episodes because we have a notice. It'll be pretty irregular. I'd also like to thank Kira as a member of the production team. She's playing an integral role as the, as the person behind the curtain yeah. managing our social media uh, account. Um, Doing
1: the shit that we're awful at. Yeah.
0: Um, so rate this podcast and leave a review making fun of the fact that Jake got that Andy Weir fact wrong. Okay, bye. Bye.
1: Also, get in contact with Andy Weir on Twitter. Nope, don't uh, do that. And tell him Jake sent you.
0: Don't do that.